Hey there, everybody. My name is Mark, and I am a wizard. This episode was recorded initially with uh, Brad and Josh in the High Hammock Think Hole, but due to technical difficulties from Audacity crapping the bed, we needed to recut the second half. So you will notice two sharp, marked differences in the audio, and also the trials and tribulations that come with editing a podcast with two USB mics on two laptops without professional equipment. I did what I could. Please be gentle with this here free podcast, but I'm glad you're here anyway. Uh, So here we are. Enjoy uh, Bigfoot Part 3. Two wizards. The one no, no, Mark, no, wait, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, no, this is, this is a family-friendly show, even though we drop the F-bomb constantly, but hey, isn't this kind of fun, and maybe our listeners are picking up, like, yeah, Josh sounds a little different, and as you know full well by now, listeners, when one of us sounds a little different, that means we are on location, I'm in the think hole, I'm here, in Mark's Wizard Tower, yeah, you are, and not only... Am I here with Mark for one of these special episodes? This episode is even more special because we have a guest. We do. At the zero hour, um, it all came together. The stars aligned. The the portals connected. The channels are here. We are joined by my co-host on the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast. That's right. Um, my God, Brad. How are you, buddy? Brad's here. Hi, welcome. Welcome to the High Hammock Think Hole. I made it to the Think Hole. You're, you, you're here. You made it. You're here, baby. <laughs> I'm hype. This You're is hype. great. It's Tom, baby. I'm on. I'm on the father podcast. The mother podcast. <laughs> the mothership, the... baby. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time. It is. It is. We're here. Again, like like Mark was saying, this weird syzygy of the stars coming together that brought me out here once more and brought Brad for his first time here on the Two Wizards podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's wonderful to have you here. My name is Josh, and I am a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I am a wizard. Um, my name is Brad, and I'm a wizard. And I am so happy to be here. It, Thank you it, for it truly, me. It truly was wonderful. It's great to have you because, I mean, I have joined a couple times on the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast, but it's also great to have you. And well, and, and also Johnny has been on the two wizards before, but this is your well, first. Well, and you had missed. Um, you were at a conference That's right. I was out too. When, way back when in March when Brad actually ascended to the high hammock family joined our cause so to speak yeah um yeah for our uh, adult swim special but now we are all unified we're all brought together here for a common purpose and that purpose is to break your goddamn brains <laughs> and to put you on the same level of suffering that i've been on for three weeks at this time because my name is mark and i'm a wizard and i've stared in that void so you don't have to but before we get to that point yes gentlemen we have a very special wizard's cup Goblet, glass, holiday, happy wizard days. Happy wizard days, which is exactly the case. We had to mark the occasion, and we are starting off doing that with a whole herd, an entire herd of great white buffaloes. Mark, for maybe people who are joining for the first time, what exactly is a great white buffalo? Oh, Josh, the great white buffalo is the flagship drink of this podcast. It Indeed. is our tied and true. You go back to it every time when you want to ruin your night and make you an asshole in front of your friends and family. 
It is Fireball Whiskey with 2% organic milk, which you two so graciously brought to me today. And I said, you guys, oh my God, I don't have any organic milk. And you said, we got you, baby. We got Um, you, baby. So here's on you, gentlemen. I'm not part of that, too, for for any... Oh yeah, that yeah, might be yeah, confused. Uh, yeah, by two, Mark means me and the missus. Oh, yes. I, also, the Technomancer oh who's joining oh, us. Oh, my God. Asshole am I. We have our first ever Chuckle Hut. Um, oh, Chuckle yeah. Hut, say hi. Say hi. Oh, oh, me? Yeah. You're the Chuckle Hut. I'm part of the Chuckle Hut. That would be Josh's Mrs. Wizard, Christine, live here in the Chuckle Hut. She said, oh, my God, I just want to hear... How stupid Mark gets tonight, and oh my god. Well, number one, gentlemen, um, cheers yes. to you and our great white cheers. buffaloes. Cheers to our great white buffaloes. Oh, it's so satisfying to do mm-hmm. that actually in person. Mm-hmm. Looks real good on the feed there. Oh, yeah. Visible clink. Visible yep. clink. Brad, what do you think of great white buffalo? Terrible, right? It's cinnamony. Yeah, um, it is. Yep. I'll be honest, too. The scariest thing is... Might be a little on the lactose intolerant side. Oh no! It's two percent organic. We're good. We're good. Yeah, I'm sure I will be fine. Which is it's all, like very mildly, but and also harkens back to previous two wizards holiday shows where Mark and I had our like oh the eggnog yeah our like eggnog chicken I I love you Thelma I love you Louise uh, <laughs> to the then, end yeah to to the end and then Mark said yeah Josh I'm like slightly. Uh, allergic to eggs. It's like, oh my god! You can but, hear on the recording. I'm like, I, 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 I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that was many uh, twelve drinks of Christmas ago. That was many years ago, and we are here once more. Josh, that for was uh, last for year. no, it was like no, it, cri- no, cri- cri- no, it wasn't. I remember because I had bought it at City Market. I was still a produce wizard, and it was yeah three it, years ago. It, at at any rate, at any, at rate. any rate. We are here to finish the business of the year, finish the business of the day, and talk more Bigfoot. Talk more Bigfoot. Now, I know that I say this pert near every single week, Josh. Yes. This is a special episode. Mm-hmm. Not just because we are all together, which it True. is, but also when this episode drops, it will be the week of Christmas. That very same week. And what a wonderful time to like join you and maybe your family have you and your family join us here have friends friends that are joining us so yes a truly great all together truly great time yeah come together right now over sass um don't they know it's sasquatch yeah don't Don't they they know know it's it's sasquatch Sasquatch. hey i want to buy this squash Bigfoot's Christmas shoes. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Bigfoot's Christmas shoes. Um, but also, so this is going to be, for you and I, it's going to be our last Bigfoot episode for a couple weeks because after this one, well, we have our yearly dick suck. Yes. And we also yes. learned that... <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's what it's called. It's, called. it's, our, yeah. it's our year in review podcast. We also learned last year that uh, 52 weeks of review is too much, so we're going to split the dick suck into two parts. And Yes. But so yeah. all that is to say, tonight is our last Bigfoot for a little bit until the new year, but that's all right, because really I can't think of a better way to do this, being joined with you and Brad and your Mrs. Wizard in the Chuckle Hut for the first time ever. Um, but in honor of that, I knew Brad was going to be here, so Brad being my co-host on the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast, um, a director he talks about a lot is one Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So when I heard that he was coming down here, I decided to rewrite my script and I'm going to backtrack and Tarantino it, so to speak. 
<laughs> well, so so before you get too involved with, with that, yes. just because this is my kind of cutesy thing that I always do, Brad, do you, do you have any Bigfoot stories? Do you have any sightings? Do you have any encounters when you were maybe like camping as a kid? You heard someone knocking on trees. What is your experience with Bigfoot? Terrible smell, maybe. Yeah, I. Could, Told my wife before I left today, I was like, I am terrified that they are going to ask me what I know about oh, no. Bigfoot. No, because, no. No, it's fine. Because um, you say, you know, perhaps I had an encounter while camping. Well, I did that one time, and it was miserable. It was oh, a God. senior trip, and it was rainy the whole time, and I thought that that's what camping was, and I have yet to go again. Probably this summer. It looks like it's on the docket with the in-laws. But, okay. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So, no, um, just about everything I learned about Bigfoot, I learned from a Goofy movie. So. Oh my God, Mark! How have we not talked about Bigfoot in the Goofy movie? Or or or, or that's is part that? Four, buddy. Okay, okay, okay. That's part four. That is the reception. I'm so sorry. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. How no. could you have known? Well, and that you will also... did not have science. How could he have known? Well, and that will also be the two Shit wizards. I, I can't wait to show my kids crossover event also where we talk about Bigfoot movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Okay. No. Perfect. Wonderful. Because I think that also right that like is the quintessential sort of Bigfoot. You know, like out in the wilderness, just going to eat, you know, like eat your fish or like eat your steak that you're grilling. Uh, big, hairy, large feet, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also like strangely intelligent and like empathetic mm-hmm. to our like standard yeah. human or, or our, our human stand-in characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's fun. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. Well, um, tonight, guys, we are going to backtrack so to speak. And we're going to follow that backtrack. Um, and we might say that part three is where I really just Quentin Tarantino this <laughs> and go, Hey, remember the ending that I showed you three weeks ago? Oh, by the way, that was the beginning. Maybe <laughs> who can say, um, up until now I have cheekily avoided our neighbors to the North. That is to say Canada. And that's not to say that I don't care about them, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. because outside of the British Columbia, we don't see a whole bunch of Bigfoots. Now, remember, Josh, um, in last week's episode, Mountain Monkeys, we talked about how the term big or the term uh, Sasquatch came from the term Sasquates, mm-hmm. the, the, the wild people of the woods. Right. 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 But we're just going to stick around here in Canada for a minute because Canada really is like ninety nine point nine 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 percent forest slash river slash swamp yeah. slash if you're a swat, if you're a squatch, you're going to clean up here. Yeah. Right? You might say mm. Squatch Country. You might say Squatch Country. Uh, sure, buddy. There's a Squatch up in there. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm not your Bigfoot Sasquatch. Well, I'm not your Sasquatch Skunk Ape. I'm not your Skunk Ape Bigfoot. I'm not your Bigfoot Napping Worry. <laughs> <laughs> By this point, we beat this horse to death, but I'll hit it one more time. Um, yes, sightings from the local indigenous peoples are thick and plentiful and they're all about us. Yeah. But you guys, well, Josh, you know, and Brad, I'm sure you know too, that I just really hate co-opting early creation legends as podcast fodder because I think it's cheap and tawdry. But we can at least say that something has been running around roughshod in the mountains around Canada as early as, as observed by white men about 1924. Okay. Yeah. Give or take about a hundred years ago. Yeah, right. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Coming yeah. up, yeah, coming up on almost exactly one. Oh, years. just goddamn near, man. Yep. Um, in the Alpine Peak area, in the Toba Inlet, this was a popular vacationing spot for up and coming new folks to Canada, but it was also a big lumber camp region. And uh, between both vacationers and lumber camp workers, they reported seeing groups of a large, hairy, man like thing 
that were something like animals, but not quite animals. Um, they reported these things as being shy, but highly curious. They also said they would pass through their camps like ghosts. Because, uh, yeah, it was last week I was talking about, like, not only is this thing freaky enough, but, like, its locomotion is also mm-hmm. freaky enough. Like, I was saying, like, the the thought of this thing, like, sprinting out of, like, a haunch. You, it, like, struck... Okay, maybe new, like, horrible image is a horde of Bigfoot just kind of, like, floating around through a camp like ghosts. Just so quietly walking. Ugh. Just, yeah. Ugh. It's gross. <laughs> In the Harrison Hills region, which is... Uh, so Harrison Hills is located around a small mountain that mm-hmm. comes between the conflux of the Harrison and the Fraser Rivers. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, a man named Frank, Frank Dean or Frank Dan, depending on the paper, it depends... Um, he reported frequent nighttime visits from a local huge hairy thing, which was near, which was, he said was a nearly nude wild man (laughs) on multiple clear Mm -hmm. nights. Dan slash Dean would report being awakened by his dog and he would look outside and see a thing traipsing about around the tree line. (laughs) So this initial report is what was taken by the Fresno bee out of California in Ontario, Canada, or in British Columbia, Canada, in 1934. He, Dean, was aroused during the night by barking of his dog. He stepped out the door of his cabin and saw, in clear starlight, a huge hairy man who advanced at him growling. Dean leaped back inside his cabin and barred his door. Tracks in the snow the next day showed the wild man had prowled around the cabin and later gone into the bush. A hunter also said he saw the wild man was so frightened that he dropped his bag of game as he fled before the giant's attack. Okay. <laughs> right? Okay. It's, uh, What's up, Josh? What's the matter, buddy? I hope I'm not reading too much into this. Because uh, this is what you're getting at 34? 34. And I understand, you know, language changes over sure, time and all sure, that. Sure. Uh, but this description... Did it maybe strike anybody else as, like, particularly sexually charged? <laughs> a bit. Where Dean was aroused in the middle of the night <laughs> by a hairy, naked man. How much Conan have we read? And we're just like, dude, Howard was so horny. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, l- literally, like, the only thing Dean doesn't say is, like, the panther-like views of the wild yeah, man. <laughs> stole across his yard. Yeah. Okay, and this is, okay, and also this is... Uh, British Columbia? Yes, sir. So, like, the western part? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because, like, the only other thing... Because it, it's also been a hot minute uh, on the Two Wizard podcast um, since we've dogged on the French. Uh, Not really, but yeah. But also, right, like... <laughs> a few weeks. <laughs> if this is Canada and all these, like, lumberjacks, like, fur trappers, like, what if this is just some, like, raunchy Frenchman running around saying, like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, Dean, like... Yeah, I mean... But that's more like, yeah, like the Quebecois and all that. They're, yeah. they're more Eastern parts. So this is something different. This, this is, is something different. This is markedly something different. Yeah. So by and large, Dean was cool with the uh, local natives, which again, we, this is the thing we talk about. Uh, we talked about it last week with the one that like collected the stories of the yeah. thing in the area. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but so Dean was also cool with the natives, especially those on the uh, Chile res- reservation. Um, but they came to talk to him more often than not. Because they're like, hey, dude, you keep saying that you're seeing something. And finally he broke down and told him what he'd seen. You know, a big, hairy thing at the edge of the tree line. He go, and the natives go, oh, yeah, 
That sounds like a Sasquatch. <laughs> They're like, well, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Now, 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 but but ninety percent of the time we'd say, yeah, this is circumstantial, right? Mm. But at this point in 1934, Sasquatch sightings in this region were at our all-time high between both locals, like so, like new incoming whites, but also the natives on reservations. There was a weird, like, super high flat frequency of them. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, a young woman named Millie Saul, who was a native living on the Chile reservation, she reported waking up one night to seeing a large hairy man watching her as she slept in through her window. See again with the thing. Just uh, like the skunk apes. Uh, or the swamp apes in Florida. Uh, Once man. again, the Sasquatch, will, the thing will watch you as you sleep. It likes to watch humans sleep. <sighs> nope. Nope. Don't like that. No, it's... Ugh. When she woke up and saw the thing staring down at her, she screamed, and the thing made no noise, but looked embarrassed and disappeared into the night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good on this, Squatch, but for again, like, having taking, some modesty. Yeah. There's a weird, like, humanity in Sasquatch. Like, we talked about yeah. last week with Patterson-Gimlin film, like... They got the drop on the lady sass taking a shit, and she looked disgruntled at them. Yeah, yeah. When they got the drop on her taking her shit, and she, like, walked off angrily into the woods. This one is like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. What's that, a pillow? I don't know. I'm a Sasquatch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and yeah, like, if we're going with the idea that these are some other sort of ape or even hominid, I mean... Yeah, yeah, like countless YouTube videos or Facebook posts or whatever, like show like, oh, here I am at whatever zoo by the like uh, l- the large ape pavilion mm-hmm. or whatever. And yeah, like, albeit separated by a couple of inches of glass, like there's still some very human-ish. There's the orangutan, or no, orangutan or gorilla that brings her baby to the human to show yeah, because the human right. has their baby and the other ape is like hey I got one of these fucking things you want to trade Please yeah them like Pokemon like what happened <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the fact that like as this young woman is waking up and sees his face and reacts sort of like yeah that makes total sense and yeah. be like oh, oh geez I, I didn't mean it like that yeah good madam I'm sorry <laughs> so, Deepest apologies. Oh, his cap. his cap. More people saw these things, which were described as being long and tall and lean, between the range of six to eight feet tall, with long arms that would hang well past their knees. They would be covered in red to brown fur, and sometimes they would whistle when they were near. But <gasps> when they were really close, people would report a humming sound. Oh, shoot. Well, because, I mean, we've also talked about all the whistling. The whistling, the tree knocking, the, the communication. Knocking, the communication. Like, and, yeah, if they get together and have this, like, hum speak, sure. But it's only when people are close. Like, so so, so that Millie Saul, she reported when she woke up, the thing that woke her up was the humming sound that this thing was producing. So he was probably just asking, like, hey, is everything okay? Or just You're a, right? like, low residence. What does the Sasquatch say? Like, <laughs> What does the Sasquatch say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Howdy hoo! Howdy ho, neighbor! Ah, <laughs> uh, hey, I noticed you didn't put your trash cans in yeah. last night. <laughs> it's recycling tomorrow. Make sure you get your your collection bin out. Um, up along the Morris Creek, a native man named Tom Cedar was fishing one day in his canoe. Uh, when he was rained upon by boulders thrown by multiple things just in the woods. 
just things that were thrown at him. And this place, uh, Morris Creek, used to be called uh, Saskatchewan before the white folks said we're better at naming shit than you. <laughs> uh, years of oral tradition weren't enough, and they only you know managed to spark rumors. And these rumors told stories of an extant caveman that lived somewhere in a cave along the Harrison River. Now, Josh, remember last week we talked about the theory that Bigfoot is a wild man. Yep. Uh-huh. Well, apparently these wild men, these cavemans, well, they, they live in a cave in the Harrison River. <laughs> in a logging camp between Peachland and Princeton, a longtime camp cook reported seeing a tall wild man covered in hair darting between the trees. This was during the 1950s. She reported seeing this thing multiple times. The men would... So, again, this is a lady mm-hmm. camp cook. The right. men would go leave to go log for the day. And during the day, she would see a thing darting in between the borders of the trees. Now, my biggest takeaway from this is way back when we did lake monsters and talked about when they started lo- logging the Lake Loch Ness. That's and right. people reported seeing the Loch Ness monster up on land confused in the new clear-cut forests. Yeah. Bigfoot's like, what happened to my house? Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, what's mm-hmm. all this clearing here and all these like weird structures that kind of look like trees but are made out of trees but aren't? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In October 1955, a man named William Rowe, who was a highway worker, on his day off, he decided he was going to climb the nearby Micah Mountain to check out what he knew was an old mine. He'd been there before. He'd shot a big bear in the area the year before. Okay. All right. Um, So he knew this region. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came up to his usual spot, and he noticed this weird big brown patch in the green brush ahead of him. Once again, he's like, oh, shit, there's a big old grizzly. Maybe I get lucky two years in a row. Yeah. And that's when the bear stood up at about eight feet tall. My first impression was of a huge man, about six feet tall, almost three feet wide, and probably weighing somewhere near 300 pounds. Oh, sweet summer child, that's not... (laughs) Anyway, it was covered from head to foot with dark brown, silver-tipped hair. But as it came closer, I saw by its breasts that it was a female. (laughs) And yet... And yet, its torso was not curved like a female's. Its broad frame was straight from shoulder to hip. Its arms were much thicker than a man's arms, and longer, reaching almost to its knees. Its feet were broader proportionately than a man's, about five inches wide at the front and tapering to much thinner heels. When it walked, it placed the heel of its foot down first, and I could see the gray-brown skin or hide on the soles of its feet. The head was higher at the back than at the front hot the nose was broad and flat Party the, the, front. <laughs> the lips and chin protruded farther than its nose but the hair that covered it leaving bare only the parts of the face around the mouth nose and ears made it resemble an animal as much as a human none of its hair even on the back of its head was longer than an inch and that on its face was and, and that on its face was much shorter its ears were shaped like a human's ears, but its eyes were small and black like a bear's. And its neck was unhuman, thicker and shorter than any man's I have ever seen. Everything in this description sounds like a man with hair, except the tits. It's a Greek woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it. I. You know, maybe change like just a couple of these numbers instead of like, oh, I was about six feet tall. Well, so if I can be that guy. Okay, yeah. Standing in my kitchen today, the three of you are fucking towering over me. 
Well, okay. I right. am a short. I'm a, I'm like five eight on a good day, and you guys are so much taller. That, like I don't know how big you are, but standing in the kitchen between the three of you is like, wow! I am just in the land of giants. It, it, okay. And I mean, Josh. Yes. So between the two of you, I think what you're you're both like six three, yeah, give or take. Yeah, I'm, I'm take I'm, a little from me. Yeah, well, but and, so we're on the low end of a Sasquatch. Most Sasquatch right. are about six five, about six and a half feet, give or take. Like, yeah. Yeah, I so would. So that's the low end, right? And well, and also if he's, uh, uh, um, um, if he's concluding or deducting that this is perhaps a female, maybe even like a like a like a juvenile sexual, or sexual dimorphism, or males maybe some, are bigger than females. Right, right, precisely. That's precisely what I'm going for. So yeah, maybe this is like a female. Maybe it's a, a, a an adolescent, and so it's only topping out at six foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, sure, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Also, just. Um, yeah, I guess, well, because it's talking about the back of the head being taller than the front, I'm trying to imagine, like, which is the more sort of, like, stereo... Because that's not a detail well, that's really come up yet. But it is, Well, so it is, but it isn't. I haven't really led into this, but most oh, okay. Sasquatch airport is having a high-domed forehead. This is a thing called a sagittal crest. Yeah, okay, right, right. That sagittal crest is uh, where uh, jaw muscles attach to the top of the skull so they can do their locomotion. Yep. Um, you see the sagittal crest a lot in Gigantopithecus scales. Yep. Or yep. Uh, fossils, scales. Gigantopithecus <laughs> fossils, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, but so I'm also just kind of wondering, like, which is the more... Maybe they're two different species. Like, is the more kind of stereotypical Bigfoot or Sasquatch, like, tall forehead and then tapering down to the back? Or is it taller back that tapers down to the front? Yes. Yes. So, okay, so, like, no, so, like, British Columbia, yeah, it's more sagittal cresty. In uh, Washington, more sagittal crest versus down in Texas uh, where you would see a skunk ape. It's more of a, like, rounded head. There are two separate species of American ape. Okay, which, which, yeah, and again, right. And that's why we're looking at Sasquatch tonight specifically because it is its own type. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What, what did I say? Three to nine point, or three to nine different types? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go. See, look at us, two wizards, asking the hard questions. Here. Asking the hard questions. <laughs> um, so, Ro watched this creature. It just kind of stood there and ate berries until she smelled him. Because it was a she. You had the big old popping titties. <laughs> um... And then it looked up through the mist, and it met his gaze. So the creature looked up at him, made eye contact, stood, and then it stood upright, raised its head back, and barked. Ro reported this bark was more of a laugh, but it was also a bark, because Thing then calmly walked into some nearby lodgepole pines. Ro spent the next few days in the area tracking and found multiple giant footprints, as well as large nests, with in five different locations around the mountain. He also found a ton of shit which did not contain bugs, hair, or bones, so Roe was led to believe that the Bigfoot, or the Sasquatch, was in fact a vegetarian. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we've talked about before, you work with the evidence that you're given. Mm-hmm. All, yeah, seems to make sense. Yeah, so fuck you, Bigfoot's real Eastern British Columbia. <laughs> Along the sheer slopes of the Alaskan border highway near Fort St. John, around 6.30 p.m., multiple, multiple people driving reported seeing a large black hair thing running across the road. It was taller than the cabs of the pickup trucks, and it left behind a lingering bad egg smell. Yeah, that is, that is several of the clear indicators that you're 
dealing with a Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Classic. Now, I want to point out, this is pre-Patterson Gimlin and pre-Boggy Creek in 1974. Yeah, true. So the idea that the skunk ape is, you know, Bigfoot stinks, not a thing yet. Just we don't know about it yet. Yeah, yeah. A local Cree man called this thing a Wetigo, or a big hairy man. Now your ears might perk up, but do not let them perk. Because this is not to be mistaken with a Wendigo or a Wetigo. Right, yeah. Which totally. is not a cryptid, but is actually a product of people co-opting Algonquin famine spirit myths for podcast and YouTube fodder. <laughs> and this wizard ain't about that bullshit. Right, exactly. But don't yep. worry, guys. A Wendigo episode is on coming. Yep, yep, yep. Outside of British Columbia, which is the biggest hotspot for sightings, but outside of BC is Alberta, Canada. Mm. Now, assuming that, you know, Bigfoot was the ape that came across the Kamchatka Strait up into Alaska, into Canada, mm-hmm. stopping in Alberta, which is like, you know, the second to the last con- or country, state, whatever, uh, province. Ter- yeah, province. Ter- territory. There territory, province, wait, whatever. Sure. Assuming that that's it, that's a good spot to, like, stop Bigfoot ranging. They made it in, they're good to go. Yeah, yeah. All right? So inside this mountain range that borders British Columbia and Alberta, um, there is a stretch that cuts from Montana, America, up into a place called Jasper in British Columbia. And this is like the, this is where Bigfoot travel. This is like Bigfoot Highway. Yeah. There's Area 51 for aliens. There's uh-huh. this fucking Jasper yeah. in Canada. Along this belt is a hotbed that seems to be running from Jasper to about Banff National Park. Starting as early as 1811, an explorer named David Thompson from the Northwest Company reported trying to find a passage from Jasper into the other mountains. He's trying to find like a pass, you know, oh, okay. the mountain pass. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and he did this in the dumbest time ever. In January of 1811. That's when you go find a fucking mountain pass, which I guess really it is. Because like, go find the worst snow and go through it and you're going to be okay, right? Yeah, I right. guess this is, I mean, that's... Reminding me of, bless his heart, and also talking about, like, Bigfoot, friend of the podcast, Mahan. Oh, yeah. When he and I were friends back in high school, and both of us, in our senior year, after our 18th birthday, Mahan told himself, okay, I'm going to be going to college, I'm going to be going to parties, there's going to be alcohol there, I need to understand my tolerance. My first time ever drinking... I'm going to have as many drinks as I can, and then I'll black out, and then that's how I'll know my limit. <laughs> it makes sense. And in some way, well, yeah, it makes sense. Admirable. Admirable. In a dumb way. In a dumb way, and you're going to likely kill yourself. Same reason why you'd want to find a mountain pass in January. Like, well, if this is the worst it's going to get. <laughs> yeah, as long as I can make it, then oh, God. we're set. Uh. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so oh, he's... Oh, no, you're good. Um, so he's out there, he's... He's out in a booth. Mapping, charting, right. Mapping, charting. Um, but then in his diary, David Thompson wrote, whoever wants to take it, the David Thompson quote, I saw the track. I saw the track of a large animal. He's Canadian. Okay. Uh, I saw the track of a large animal. Has four large toes, about three or four inches long, and a small nail at the end of each. The ball of his foot sank about three in three inches deeper than his toes. The hinder part of his foot did not mark well. The hole is about 14 inches long by 8 inches wide and very much resembles a large bear's track. It was in the rivulet in about 6 inches of snow. 
Six inches of snow, a 14-foot-long print, looking not unlike a bear track, but not a bear track. But not a bear track. No, no, no. Again, 1811, also Brad. That was fucking masterful. Yeah, that was a great... Because uh, when you were prompting him for a Canadian accent, I was just kind of... I was just thinking like, oh, I can see the track of a large animal, buddy. Hi <laughs> that, buddy. Um, at this point, I need to break and ask Josh to hand me one of those beers, please. Okay, well, also, this is... Not only bringing us together for a special occasion here, but we have regular listeners will, will know this by memory from now. Not only am I here in the think hole together, but I have also brought with me some Great Lakes Brewing Company Christmas ale. <laughs> Josh broke the law and the law didn't one. And if you want to hear like... The true, sincere, honest, genuine reaction. You're going to have to check out our, yeah, our, our sister podcast, the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast. Look for the Home Alone episode because that's when I surprised Mark and Brad with this. It dropped and, on Christmas Day. And it, dro- and it dropped. Two days Christmas- after this episode dropped. Go listen to it, guys. And so, I know you heard it already. Two days before. That's what I meant. Well, yeah. So, yes. so, but but if you haven't, now you know to go back. So, yes, we are we are breaking open a, a Christmas sale. To, to wash down these great white buffaloes. So cheers, everyone. Cheers. Good buddy. Dude, thank you again so yeah. much for bringing these, man. Absolutely. So cheers, right. buddy. Cheers, buddy. Oh, yeah, buddy. Right proper beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure, You're buddy. allowed to laugh, Chuckle Hut. Yeah, Chuckle Hut. You're the Chuckle Hut. Laugh, Chuckle Hut. Laugh, Chuckle Hut. <laughs> Otherwise, it's dumb to put a mic on you. Yeah. <laughs> Make Mark Drex work for nothing. Yeah. Okay, so, yes. So, uh, the winter before in this same region, four hunters had found large tracks measuring 14 inches by 8 inches wide. (laughs) Drink. Drink. These tracks looked fresh at that time, but they were in 6-inch deep snow coming out of the river once again. Uh, The hunters, though, had heard tales of large things being in the woods. Fuck this. And they went back to Jasper. (laughs) About 200 years later, The Lion King came out in 1995. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that is true. But, 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 in the town of Jasper, several campers in the Sulphur Skyline Trail region reported seeing a lone hiker on an adjacent mountain, about three quarters of the way up it. Being Canadian, these campers gave a friendly, How are you now? to the lone <laughs> hiker. But the lone hiker did not respond. Mm. Very unfriendly, eh? <laughs> Not very Canadian. Not noise. <laughs> Not noise. Instead, it began sprinting down the, sleep, the steep incline toward the tree line with the speed of a mountain biker. Again with the sprinting. Sprinting. <laughs> sprinting downhill. This party of campers went back to their site because it was getting dark and they're like, yeah, there was a weird dude in the forest. Who cares? Eh. <laughs> but the next day they came back to the adjacent mount. They found climbing the side hill extremely challenging because it was pretty much an almost vertical angle. And there was a total lack of trails. What they did find, though, was a large plunging scree slope. Static rock, rocks uh-huh. broken, falls down, becomes scree. They found a large patch <laughs> of scree with a tread of about eight feet. Right, so they found this loose trail of scree. Um, and they went back. As they went back, they decided not to talk about the weird lingering shadows that they kept noticing behind them in the tree line. Naturally. Naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the hikers had taken pictures the entire time that they were there and went through the negatives, hoping to find any evidence of anything they saw. But they really didn't, except in one shot around the bottom of the mountain in some nearby hot springs. There was a 
word something something. Now this brings me to a weird point. Turns out that if you're Canadian and a Bigfoot, you're all about them hot springs, and you're really semi-aquatic. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, like what's uh, what's the species of like Japanese monkey that just like chills yeah. out in, in, in hot springs? All exactly. Day? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the hot spring monkeys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever yeah. those are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so like aquatic apes are not a thing that is unheard of at all. And again, if we're looking at Bigfoot as a large extant ape, well, yeah, why the hell not, right? Yeah. Sure. By the way, you guys, you remember that um, Harrison region where the conflicts of the two rivers was? Oh, right. Cave? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Turns out by those caves, there's also a shitload of natural hot springs. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what's found around those hot springs year-round? That's right, gigantic fucking footprints. <laughs> but these uh, footprints were reported in late winter when humans shouldn't have been there. It was just like somebody randomly in their area like, hey, we were... I was going to go dick down right, yeah. in this hot springs and there was these, it stank and there's these footprints and I, <laughs> I wouldn't have booed it, bud. I, I had to go. I had to, I just <laughs> Hey, which one of your hosers didn't shower before you got in the hot springs, eh? <laughs> Gary, is that you with your psoriasis? <laughs> <laughs> Poor play, man. Poor play. <laughs> <laughs> now. Now, here is where I want you guys to go ahead and put on your tinfoil hats that I already provided. Yep, yes. Yep, yep. Excellent. You look beautiful. Um, we're about to get so stupid here. <laughs> Let's go. In doing my research, I have come to a um, through line in at least Sasquatch, if Sasquatch is its own independent species, and that it is they are all about volcanism and hot springs. Uh, considering the dormant volcano Mount Shasta, which is in California, which is said to be a hotbed of Bigfoot. Okay, uh, okay. Mount St. Helens region is said to be nothing but Sasquatch. Yeah, they yeah. live in Mount St. Helens. <laughs> Before Mount St. Helens erupted, uh, Sasquatch sightings uh, took a huge hit. Like they, So before St. Helens went off in 83, Sasquatch sightings like tripled because they were leaving the area. Mm. Oh, you, my God. If you believe oh. in such things, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Yep. yeah. yeah. Uh, Sasquatch are tuned to uh, volcanoes. They are tuned to hot, uh, hot springs, volcanism. Rainier, fucking Rainier, is yeah. the biggest dormant volcano in America. Right? right, right, right. And I know, I know how dumb this sounds, right? Because you're like, Mark, we need evidence. Well, my good children, uh, go ahead and page down to a sighting that was in Yellowstone National Park that was seen by numerous people where Sasquatch would just walk around the edges of the geysers and just kind of dick around. Uh, the video that you're jumping to comes from 2015. And this was when the local buffalo herds returned to the Old Faithful Glacier. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and jump to uh, 2.30. Mm-hmm. I'm looking the upper middle corner there. Upper... Okay, let's see some... Buffalo. I I'm just, I'm just seeing buffalo. Uh, I also don't know what you mean by upper middle corner. Oh, oh no! Wait, oh, what? Oh, oh, what? Oh, you saw what? It. And where did they go? Where did they go? Oh, no, they're coming up. Oh. Okay, I mean, all right. Uh, <laughs> the, that and was the a camera's thing. just like nope. Yeah, that was a thing. Just a static. Yep. Right. <laughs> now, I know right there that is just case closed for Bigfoot, right, boys? It, surely, mean. surely it has to be. And I'll be honest, honest. That's all I've really got for like the volcanic Bigfoot theory. <laughs> but 
there's something in that. I need to be. I need to do some more void staring before that. But like, okay, yeah. It's a through line that I kind of kept seeing. Bigfoot like hot spring. And again, if 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 Bigfoot is a giant extant Asian subcontinent ape, why? would it not like hot springs just like other island apes in Japan? Why would it not? Like, yeah. absolutely. Well, and, you know, it's tromping through the forest underbrush all day and, you know, stepping on twigs and stones. It, it hasn't developed shoe technology yet, so where better to, like, rest your weary feet yeah. than in a nice little hot springs? Yeah. I, I don't want this to get all volcanic and blow up on us. <laughs> hey. Oh. <laughs> So it's time to go to Russia. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> we are going to Russia. And as with most things Russian, um, disinformation is a huge part of them. Ho, ho, ho. Naturally. Right. We can all say. We just we just know. Yeah. Um, by this point, I'm sure they've taken over America. Uh, yeah. Conquerors. Um, but just like with the swamp apes in Southern America, Russians have their own weird fucking bigfoot based on locations gotcha like very very really like russian local chili swamp ape variety which makes a hundred percent sense because you you know same latitude as the pacific northwest and canada that we've been talking about large uh sparsely populated woods it's the biggest landmass in the world. Exactly. Like, well, of course. Yeah. Like of the, course the, there's what the least de- the, the least population density, I think, in the entire planet. Like I would not be surprised. And so of Russia course Russia is not but forest like not, not but taiga. Like, yeah, really. Right, like right, just right, right. taiga yep. forests. Yep, yep. Um but you know, anyway, feature mark cue up that we fit music because we're about to talk about <laughs> Bigfoots in Russia. <laughs> in the worst place in the world, Siberia. Reports of a large something beast, sometimes called a yeti or called the chuchana, are rampant. These creatures can either be snow white or ruddy brown color depending on the season. They seem to change depending on the season, which... They are said to be huge and well-muscled and sometimes will have glowing red eyes and they stand better than 10 feet tall. They live inside of the taiga forest and will sometimes be seen by humans. (laughs) <laughs> in in Soviet Russia, Bigfoot's... No, no, you see Bigfoot... Well, okay, I guess it doesn't work. Help me out here. Because he's not, like, looking into your, like, shanty shack. Yeah. In Soviet Russia... In Soviet Russia, Bigfoot avoid you. <laughs> Bigfoot photograph you, comrade. <laughs> Bigfoot saw you not reading marks. <laughs> in the northern Ural Mountains... Uh, the same place that you and I discussed, Josh, are uh, Tunguska. Event. Yes, yes. Uh, there are said to be a group or a type of wild men spoken about by local local Mansi Russian natives. So these are not white Russians. These right. are the native people of Russia. They're right, called right. the Mansi. It's it's so cool. It's like yeah. So what's, like, okay, so like Native American is its own shit, right? Yeah. But like so there's. The old Russians, and then there's the new Russians that pushed up out of, like, Germania and Britain and shit. Yeah, yeah. And the Mansi were here before them. The right? old Russians are uh, M as in Mansi. Yeah. Yeah. M okay. as in Mansi. Yeah. M as in Mansi, Ray! <laughs> 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 These local Mansi have legends of things called the Mank, or as new Russians call them, the Mank V, or the Mank Man. These are just undying wild men that can only be killed by the gods. 
They are said to have, mm. they are said to be tall, lean, but well muscled, and covered in fur, and have backward facing feet. <gasps> Back, drink. Backward facing drink. feet. Now, why do we have backward facing feet? Because. Once again, it is a local hunter-gatherer population. How do you track your fucking prey? By their tracks. Yeah. What represents the greatest evil? Backward-facing. A thing you have a hard time tracking. Yeah. Or it's a ground sloth. We don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking sloth foot in Russia. We don't. Yeah. They are said to be like humans, but they live in between where we live. Okay. Mm. Convenient. Convenient. Sometimes, according to the... Uh, uh, the Monsi people, uh, they will pass into our world, and that's when we are allowed to see them. They let us see them. Oh. These creatures exist as an intermediary between the natural and the mundane, right? And in new modern dumb lore, they're also said to be the reason that multiple hiking teams started dying mysteriously post-1940s. Including, but not limited to, the Dyatlov Pass expedition, which you and I will cover at some point. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, I... Okay. So, 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 okay, so, Brad, so, so some context here, because I see the look on your face. Um, Russians are insane. Oh. And they like to form little clubs where they get together and just do dumb sports shit. Ah. And one of these dumb sports shits are to come together and go climb. Hey, it's comrade, see that mountain? Looks big mountain, yeah? Yeah. Duh, Let's duh. go climb. Yeah, go climb, yeah! And so these Russian teams that get together like fucking college slash high school students and they just go climb a mountain and die. <laughs> okay. Because that's what you do. And 98% of the time we can say, oh yeah, it's because a blizzard rolled through. But like in, there's some other cases like with the Dyatlov Pass incident, it might have been fucking Mankvi. We don't know. Mm. It was probably, you know, hypothermia and paradoxical undressing, but we don't. This is... We don't know. <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> find water, don't get naked. <laughs> find water, don't get, get high, find water, don't get naked, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in northern Siberia, in the town of Kargrupol, uh, two yetis actually broke into a military builder's barracks in January 1992. <laughs> About 30 witnesses in town watched two huge hairy men uh, just kind of tear through the barracks. They ripped <laughs> they ripped the door off the hinges, tore through the kitchen and the pantry, left large tracks everywhere, and apparently shit up in the kitchen. <laughs> in the snow and against like the doorways were discovered large clumps of fur. Hmm. Okay, also like... Man, if that isn't just a video game waiting to be made. <laughs> both both either like where you play as the Yeti tromping around and like press the X button to shit in the kitchen. <laughs> so press quest X completed. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Like, <laughs> shit's left. A, achievement unlocked. Um, <laughs> but also as, yeah, maybe like the terrified villagers or infantry or whatever and you have to fight this and you have to like grab your crappy um ak-47 and like try to try to gun this thing down yeah <laughs> across the Caucasus mountain range people have reported large hairy men called the almas as early as the 1400s now josh i know that you know that the early chinese were reporting you know uh yaren as early as the uh 384 bce yeah but 
These almost were also reported along the northern Chinese border by Chinese scholars. They were not Yeren. They were a different thing. That's, oh man. Sen since this time, sightings of the Almas, which is essentially the Russian blanket term for big... The way we have Bigfoot as our blanket is okay. Almas for okay, Russia. That's, okay, right? gotcha, gotcha. Alma is Bigfoot. Bigfoot is Alma in Russia. Uh, they have been reported as far east as the mountains of the mountains of Afghanistan and as far south as Pakistan. Um, and while we're just here blanketing this, the Alma's... Um, Big takeaway is that they are darkly complected hairy creatures with amazing strength. They are also said to be about 8 to 10 feet tall, and they really, really, really like drinking uh, wine or fermented mare's milk. <laughs> what do, yeah, because which that is a thing. Uh -huh. is in, which is a staple of Mongolia, yes. where, by the way, what? The Almas also fucking are. <laughs> They come down from the hills to get this milk and wine. Um, they are said to be amazing climbing, um, amazing climbers and swimmers. And across all regions, they are said to communicate by making booming screams that sound like artillery fire. This is in the 1400s before humans have a concept of what artillery fire can sound like. Yeah. Just the sound of screams echoing across mountains in goddamn Afghanistan. Goddamn almost, man. Multiple expeditions have been launched to search for this creature, starting in 1958 with the Soviet Academy of Science. Um, the last one was dropped in 1992, and it was a joint operation between French and Russian scientists to find, quote, a retarded Neanderthal. That's out of a Russian paper. Which was said to be six and a half feet tall and weighing about 440 pounds. <laughs> These expeditions were conducted as high as 12,000 feet, and the team was outfitted with a tranquilizer gun and hoped to shoot the creature and take a plaster cast of its face. Mm. And you can go ahead and look in your documents for a artist rendering of the Almas. With the big tits? There's the big titties. Who's the big titty one? The big old titties. She got the big, I... Almas got the big titties, buddy. <laughs> got I, the I big mean, titties. Christine, can you see that? Okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's like uh. Sorry. Well, let us forget the Patterson Gimlin Sasquatch had what? That's right, big swinging tits. That that yes, that is true. Artists' rendering, Mark says. Uh, big big quotes on the artist piece of this. Just... Yeah. But the artist was Russian. So but that was, uh, was, I'm I'm getting. <sighs> this is what the Russians are into then. <laughs> It's, I mean, sh sure, why sure. not, why not? Sure, sure. Why not? <laughs> so all these expeditions are launched, right? They're going to find this goddamn sons of bitch Namas, right? I guess you could almost say they did butt boys. They rounded up a posse! Oh! <laughs> posse were okay. rounded up. But even if this posse were successful in 1992, it would be the second time that a human captured an Almas alive. <gasps> what? The magic was so much, but we're back, but too much concentration in the think hole, and we have been scattered to our original wizard's towers <laughs> through right. some unknown means, but it's all right. We're still here, guys. They can't stop us. See, th th that was it. There was, we were so concentrated. It's, 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 you know, like we were attempting, I guess, like a, a wizard fusion, um, but instead of like combining our uh, atomic nuclei into some new 
element. No, we just got shot all the way across the country again. <laughs> <laughs> the, the spell backfired. Ugh. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> we didn't have enough mana to tap and counter spell. It's all right. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> we don't have mana, but we do have brew? Uh, I don't know. Oh, we don't yeah, have any mana true. potions. We got a beer potion. What's in your wizard's health potion? <laughs> Mine's a, a fear movie lions out of stone brewing. It's a hazy double IPA clocking in at 8.5%. Amanda got me a, a sampler pack, yeah. All right. Impressive. Uh, I am uh, punishing myself for no specific reason. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so I am working on a, uh, from Avery Brewing out of Boulder, Colorado, a goes con sandia. It's a sour ale with watermelon, limes, and sea salt at 4.5%, and it is way too sweet, and it is terrible. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah. Um, not uh, not the best thing I've ever had. I bought it as a, like, hey, lady wizard, perhaps perhaps you'll enjoy these. You like sour beers, and we like watermelon in this house and all that. And she took, like, two sips and did not like, so... Uh, here I am finishing this six pack. It'll be a rip roar in good time. You're a good guy, man. Like <clears throat> I can't drink those beers when they get all wonky like that. Like the, the super, the super fruity, like watermelon lime. I'm just like, that's, it's too much beer is beer should be beer. Yeah. It, it just exists in this weird spot between like kind of tastes like a fruity water kind of tastes like juice kind of tastes like margarita doesn't it all taste like beer it's the last thing that it tastes like <laughs> I, yeah i don't know <laughs> what do you have uh, in your wizard's cup josh well so i i know i had this this very wonderful gift when we were all together about uh, great lakes brewing company christmas sale well now that i'm back here a little closer to home I have with me uh, out of uh, Trogues Independent Brewing from, uh, oh, I just saw this. Where are these guys? Oh, Hershey, Pennsylvania. How about that? Um, but I have there the Mad Elf Holiday Ale brewed with cherries and honey, clocking in at a at a sturdy 11% ABV. Ooh, woof. Woof. Wow. <laughs> Howly hoo. <laughs> uh, mine feels so wimpy now by comparison i feel like i'm gonna have to be slamming these to to keep any sort of pace here <laughs> we'll just like start randomly chanting brad 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 you can slam your beer yeah we <laughs> well uh cheers gentlemen across the country cheers, cheers. wherever you may be <laughs> Well, so um, picking back up with the Almas, um, all these expeditions have been launched and they've been unsuccessful, but maybe if they did find an Alma, you know, that's something. But even if they did, it really wouldn't matter because that would be the second times that humans had found a living Alma specimen, gentlemen. Wait, what? We found another one of these guys? Allegedly. Oh, gee. Okay. All right. Allegedly. <laughs> in uh, 1850, in the Republic of Abkhazia, near the foothills of 
Oakham, sorry, near the foothills near Oakhamshire, a merchant was passing through a heavily wooded area when he saw a strange creature, and he immediately went into town, and you know what he did, right? Oh, let's oh. go. <laughs> <Dude>. No. <laughs> That's right. He rounded up a posse. <laughs> let's go. This posse, this posse went into the foothills, and they captured something they captured a creature and they kept this creature in a spike lined pit until it was sold to a local nobleman named Edgy Janaba and he tamed this creature which turned out to be a wild woman that he named Zana uh, Zana was kept on his estate near Tinkana she stood about six feet tall had a flat broad forehead and big ol' swinging boobies <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these big ol' swinging boobies and the rest of her body were covered in thick, dark hair. She spent the first five years in captivity in a cage, but she was eventually taught how to mill corn. Okay. Uh, Zana right. preferred sleeping... Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm i the nobleman, I bought a thing, well, put it to work. You can <laughs> earn your keep. <laughs> <laughs> Strange and majestic beast of... Swinging hairy titties. <laughs> oh, that needs to be the high hammock logo. It's just a pair of swinging titties in the breeze. Oh. Hairy, breezy titties. <laughs> um, Xana preferred to sleep outside, and she really hated clothing. She could often be seen swimming in the nearby river naked all the time, even in winter. It didn't really bother her. Um, she couldn't speak, but she seemed to, like, work on Chewbacca rules where they could talk to her and she would understand. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. But she also was fluent in the universal language. That's right, boys, I'm talking about love. Because she had at least four children with multiple Whoa. men in the village. Whoa. And one was more than likely, uh, Ed Gijanaba, the nobleman who bought her. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! I, I mean, can't. I I don't know. <laughs> it's it, it's. Okay. I don't I don't know if it's more disheartening or uh, just what it is. Like, oh hey, we found this thing and it's a woman. Let's put her to work and then let's breed her. Like I I I just like men. Hey, look at all the like commonality and similarity that are between uh, the human species and the Bigfoot species, whatever that may be. Uh, duh. Yeah, that's still horrible. Like, we still treat <laughs> the female Bigfoot just as horribly as we treat uh, the female human. Yep. I, I'm reminded of that story of uh, Evig working at the uh, potato plant, and he picked up the one super phallic potato, yeah. and him and all the little Guatemalan women just lost their mind. But yeah. so here's, you know, Evig on his Abkhazi plantation milling corn, and, like, yeah. he holds up, like, a corn that looks like a dick, and here's this, like, six-foot-tall, covered-in-dark-red-hair wild woman. <laughs> oh, my love, my darling. <laughs> Take oh, My Zana. Breath Away has been playing in the background the entire time on Balalaika. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. She turned out to not be a good mother. Who knew? That's what happens with feral humans. They're not good parents because she tried. She killed her first kid by bathing it in a river in winter. Um, it wasn't cold proof like its mama. Mm. Aww. 
That's sad. Yeah, yeah it yeah. really is. Um, because of this, her other children that she would eventually have would be taken away from her as soon as she would give birth. Oh. Um, these children would then be given to families around the village where they would be raised like normal human children. The last one alive was named Chewit. He died in 1954, and he was said to be the strongest man in the village. And just like his mom, he enjoyed taking on multiple dudes at once. <laughs> for fighting, not for sex. <laughs> they looked at Chewit and said, let's get it on, and they were just talking about the fighting. That's it. <laughs> uh, there's a picture on your guys' notes of Chewit. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, John C. Riley looking... Son of a bitch. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Had the craziest look in his eye. <laughs> are, you, are you sure he was talking about the fight, or did he say, I'm ready for sex? <laughs> <laughs> did we just become best friends? <laughs> oh. Oh, no. You know, John C. Riley's the Sasquatch in Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. We got it. We already got like Whoa. presents for crossover boys. I'm just saying. Oh my god! Here again, man. The things that we two wizards and now Brad too are just just stumble. We just stumble into without even realizing it. And then we fall into a spiked line pit. <laughs> Goddamn posses. <laughs> Is that Foggy Mountain so, Breakdown I hear in the distance? <laughs> oh, God, they're coming for one of us. <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. Oh, stone lions, don't do them. Uh, Xana died in 1890. Um, her DNA was sequenced and found to be 100% African in origin, but of an unknown subgroup. Oh, man. So we have the like the African DNA that we all come from. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the groups that, like, we know it's African, but it's just undiscovered. So she was kind of, a, 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 like, literally a different breed of human, if you don't think about it too hard. The skulls of one of her children was later examined by a Russian anth- anthropologist whose name I will pronounce wrong, so I just won't say it. And this anthropologist said that they were completely independent from males in the Abkhazia region. But he said that the most similar thing, or he said the closest thing linking to that, to this skull, was the Neolithic tribes that populated the area. So, right there, uh, wild man Bigfoot theory proved from last week. Ha ha ha, I threw that shit before I walked in the room. (laughs) Fiendish wizard Mark and your kung fu treachery. (laughs) Your Sasquatch treachery. (laughs) You drowned your firstborn. (laughs) (laughs) and that's the sad tragic mini story of zana the wild woman who we don't really know what happened but something happened or you know in a society that was probably misogynistic to start they just took it a whole nother level and it was like (laughs) just some woman they found (laughs) you know know, i prefer to believe that she was you know a wild woman slash you know alma Mm -hmm. that was captured and taught to be a human. I don't know why that's more less bad, but still. Yeah. Uh, up to this point, you guys might have noticed that I'm sticking really close to the 1900s, um, and there's a reason. So last week we talked about how the Patterson-Gimlin film uh, mm-hmm. created slash cemented slash put a name to the thing that we'd all been kind of seeing, 
and it became the like crystallizing moment, but it also became the focus point. So from this moment on, once you have an image of a thing, that becomes the default and immediately taints anybody's understanding of a thing. Right. It's kind of like mm-hmm. saying that we've been in contact with 16 races of extraterrestrials, but we all just think about the greys when we think about aliens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But don't worry, because we're not finished, just Yeti. I'll I'll drink for that one. I love love the power of making you two laugh at jokes like it's not the second time you've heard them. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Or chaotic backlash and magic is real. Who knew? Back in March, Josh, we just talked about the uh, Himalayan mountains being the biggest, baddest mountain range in the whole goddamn world. And they are. They're amazing. And the biggest takeaway is that these mountains are literally a magical place. Mm -hmm. And listeners, I would just say go back and listen to our mountains episode because it's a real good one. And Josh really put his ankles in it. Yeah. And again, again, you know me, guys. I hate to go. And the local indigenous people have been reporting this for years. (laughs) But the local indigenous people have been reporting things for years. And these are super old civilizations of people that have been established and they've seen these things for so long that it's like a cultural import of theirs. Like this is something that they can tap back into in their early history. And it existed there. Mm-hmm. We already know about the Mongolians and their Almas, uh, the Udshir people in the Hindu Kush call them the Bamin. in the Bhutan region. They're called the Migu or the Migoi, which translates to strong men. In Nepal, there's the Ban Manchi, the man of the forest, the Bun Manchi, the jungle man, or the Mirka, the wild man. Uh, local legends hold that anybody that sees one will die, or he will be, or he needs to kill the thing. Mm. So, already no fun. There's also the Mahalangar, or the great monkey. So we've got different classifications just in one spot of one thing that could be three things, but we're still calling it its own thing. So in Tibet, uh, they call it the Kimo, the Dreamo, which is a human that transforms into a wild man, the Chumung, which is a spirit that haunts the glaciers and the high mountains, uh, the Migdi, or the Michi, which means the bear man, the Druzta, the cattle bear, and this is directly referring to the Himalayan brown bear. That's their word for it is the uh, Druzte, but okay. they also identify these wild men things as this. Uh, there's also the Migoi or Migo, the <gasps> wild man, the Kang Admi, the snowman, or the Thlo Moong, the mountain savage. And Josh, your ears might have perked yes, up there <laughs> with the Migo with Whisper in Darkness when we talk mm-hmm. about the creatures that came out of the Himalayas. Right, yeah, except these are not like kind of uh, like giant like crab things with wings that fly... Th- Fly through space and convey heads in jars. No, like it's a different, it's a different thing. But they still come from the Himalayas. It's, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for our purposes, we're going to call these things Yeti, which comes from the Sherpa word Ya, rock, and Te, man. Okay. Um, Yeti, at this point, are old hat boys. We've already talked about them for an hour and a half at this point. They are long. They are, or they are tall. They are long-limbed, and that those long limbs are covered in ruddy red-brown fur. They have conical heads, and they live up in the mountains, where they could be found high up in the peaks or in the thick forests that grow in the foothills. Um, they are thought to be close enough to humans to follow uh, 
the principle of dharma, and they're considered to be generally benign and usually will appear as like a helping spirit. But they can also act to rebalance dharma, and hearing or seeing one is not a good omen. And seeing one or hearing one will require you to regain karmic alignment, so you don't want to go looking for them. Okay. I mean, I guess that makes sense. You yeah. know, like, I, I, and I, I mean, I am, I am not at all versed in Tibetan Buddhism, but, but I think that's kind of with that idea of detachment. Like, yeah, don't go faffing about with, with trying to find a, <laughs> with like trying to find a yeti, with trying to get gold, with like worldly possessions and relationships. Like, no, you want to like wipe the clean mirror or yeah you want to wipe the like dirty mirror of your mind slash soul clean so don't go chasing yetis (laughs) y'all please stick to the rivers and the swamp apes that you're used to (laughs) (laughs) um this isn't to say though that like you know that we can't get along with the yetis because they are close to us um in ni- er, 1667, a Buddhist no- mm, sorry, a Buddhist monk named Songwa Dorye had a yeti who would basically DoorDash him his groceries. He lived <laughs> high up on the mountainside all by himself. He was a mountain hermit, and he had a yeti buddy who would run him up his groceries because it was easier for the yeti. <laughs> New business venture. We just find all the like hairiest, gnarliest dudes that we can, and we'll call it. Yeti Dash or door 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 Yeti or something like that, and like that's the whole thing. Like it's like oh yeah, you get your food delivered to you by by a Yeti, because um, yeah, I mean yeah, sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Dorye and the Yeti kind of became something like friends, um, and eventually when the Yeti died, uh, Dorye did what I hope you guys will do to me. He scalped it and took his right hand. And he sent those items to the Pangboche Gompa Temple to be venerated. After this point, they would be used in fertility blessings and often taken to house calls or taken out on house calls to bless animals and new babies. Eventually, a local sect in the region appeared called the Drogon Lamas, who practice Yeti-based magic. <laughs> yeah, uh, just give me a shipping address, man, and we will get your remains over there to. Uh... Bless all the babies with your disembodied hand. It'll be great. Good. Yep. Good, good. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that this isn't a new thing. Uh, dur- so in the way, way back when, when he was scouting his Persian campaign, our boy Alexander the Great heard stories of the Yeti in lower India. Um, and he pulled the daddy, I want a Yeti now card <laughs> and threw a big fit because he sent a bunch of people to go fucking, he basically rounded up like the, what, what, Josh, what's the Greek word for posse? Cause Ooh. he rounded one of those up and sent it into the mountains <laughs> and they kept coming back empty handed. And he was mad until lo- until the villagers came down, to, they came down to him and said, look, we know you want this thing, but you can't have it. It'll die. If it comes out of the mountains, it doesn't survive at low altitude. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I, I mean, you could probably just say a, a Stratos. He rented up a Stratos, which is an army. Um, so, okay. yeah, I, guess, I think that's the closest we could, we could get to. 
And how's your uh, bazooki cover of Foggy Mountain Breakdown coming, buddy? Oh man, it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm actually ready within the week, right? I'm, well, I'm I'm switching over and trying to play it on the uh, Aulos now, the like double double reed pipe thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. In his natural historia, Pliny the Elder wrote uh, that among the mountainous districts of the eastern parts of India, in what is called the country of Kathakludi, we find the satyr, an animal of extraordinary swiftness. These sometimes go on four feet, sometimes walk erect. They also have features of a human being. On account of their swiftness, these creatures can never be caught, except when they are aged or sickly. Tauron gives the name uh, Coromande to a nation which dwell in the woods and have no proper voice. These people screech in a frightful manner. Their bodies are covered in hair, their eyes the color of green sea, and their teeth like those of a dog. These are the great apes which are found in the Oriental Islands, and this name that is given to them for their salacious disposition, which would also seem to have manifested in reference to another human species. We have an account of the satyrs, thus... So, there you go. He's equating stories of satyrs to stories of yetis in India. That's crazy. Okay. Ah, that's so cool. And what do we know about hmm. yetis and all Bigfoot anythings? They like to look into people's houses because they're probably horny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're covered in fur, and they love to drink people's fermented mare's milk and wine, mm-hmm. just like a satyr might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot is a satyr. Sorry, guys. Called it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, and this would not be a Two Wizards podcast unless we tied it back to the Greeks somehow and say, the Greeks did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, too, that's the second time I've referenced Alexander the Great. Like, he he was like weird Teddy Roosevelt cryptid hunter, but in the Bronze Age. It's kind of, yeah. there's more in there. We're going to get to it at some mm-hmm, point, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Um, we're going to fast forward, though. To the 1800s, um, the period of rapid expansion and colonialism of England throughout the, you know, eastern world through the East India Company, which got tons and tons of white people into Tibet and Nepal real quick. And then the earliest reports of a Yeti come from a B.H. Hogson, uh, the first British resident of Nepal. He wrote in the Asiatic Society of Bengal's 1832 edition, uh, detailing or a description of seeing a tall, upright thing that he called a giant orangutan. In 1888, uh, British Royal Society William Hugh Knight reported while on an expedition to while on an expedition to Tibet, he encountered a wild man. Quote, a little under six feet high, almost stark naked in that bitter cold. It was the month of November. He was a kind of pale yellow all over, about the color of a Chinaman. A shock of matted hair on his head, little hair on his face, and highly splayed feet, with large, formidable hands. His muscular development in his arms, thighs, legs, back, and chest was terrific. He had in his hand what seemed to be some form of primitive bow. Smashing. (laughs) (laughs) Terrific. (laughs) Have you seen those bulging muscles? Bulging. Uh, (laughs) A year later in uh, Sikkim, 
on an expedition in 1889, uh, Major Lawrence Waddell reported some large footprints in the snow led across our track and away up to the higher peaks. These were alleged to be the trail of the hairy wildmen who believed to live or who are believed to live amongst the eternal snows, along with the mythical white lions whose roar is reported to be heard during storms. Two world wars really put a damper on getting out into Nepal, but post-World War II there was a lot of changes in the area, like the British getting getting kicked out of India in 1948, then India annexing Nepal and pushing their border to the edge of the Himalaya range. China annexed Tibet, which scattered millions of refugees into Nepal until finally India chilled out and recognized that the region should be independent and kind of gave it its own deal. And I'm smearing over a ton of things here, but all we need to know is that by the 1950s, Nepal is open for business, baby. (laughs) Okay. Also we need either, either a mod or maybe even a full on DLC where, um, civilization six adds, cryptids as like resources as as like a game so it's so like yeah like so because yeah there's all these like burgeoning nation states fighting over where their territories are to include the cryptids to to include bigfoot or not and they generate tourism or for Z- yeah. or for zana you get plus one food to all like corn tiles uh <laughs> Plus one population. They, in all right, cities. right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so yeah, this this needs to happen now because they already have they have vampires and uh, gods and heroes and stuff like that. So so yeah, we can we can make a cryptid Civ Six mod or DLC or something. <laughs> yeah, you do it like you do it like great people, but it's you know instead of doing great people points, you get points for the like landscape. So like. You know, you got a lot of, um, you know, grasslands or, like, wheatlands. Oh, shit, you got enough jackalope You're points. Right, yeah. And he gives you plus one amenity because of the jackalope yeah, song. Yeah, yeah right, absolutely. Right, right. <laughs> you get Nessie and Issy and all of the other, you know, yeah, totally. <laughs> I smell a custom mod here. <laughs> if you're in Texas, you can get Jesus and he gives you cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I have thought so I have thought so much Josh about how we can try and like shoehorn in a cryptid civ episode oh, and I was like, okay. but there's like no way to do it other than just like we right. back and forth like six different cryptids and go this is what I like ha 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 but yeah, yeah. I don't know we'll yeah, take it around we, some we, more there's, there's, there's still plenty to work with there for sure oh yeah oh yeah in 1951, mountaineer Eric Shipton was seeking a route up Mount Everest at around 15,000 feet near the Menlung Basin when he found odd footprints in the snow. Photos were taken, but the footprints weren't really studied at any length because the sun was setting. But this is essentially the Patterson-Gimlin moment of the Yeti, where we have an identifiable footprint. Mm. Um, you can see pictures in your drive. It's the big footprint with the ice axe next to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. looks like what I would imagine a Yeti foot looks like. Mm-hmm. Like, very similar to what a gorilla footprint looks like, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The founder of the Southwest Research Institute and Texas oil billionaire, Tom, Sw- Tom Slick, funded multiple snowman hunts starting in 1956 up until 1959. Uh, Tom Slick was a badass, and he went on most of these expeditions on his own. 
<laughs> he found multiple Yeti tracks in the snow, and he and he even saw a preserved Yeti arm, which he dismissed as a mummified snow leopard arm. Dang. He also took samples of any weird thing he found, including bones, hair, teeth, shit. And I mean literal shit. In one case, some of this shit was found to contain completely unique intestinal parasites. So, something. Yeah. Something. something It's not, they're not found in any of the other local wildlife, but there's something in the poo. I don't Mm -hmm. know. What's your poo telling you? (laughs) What is your poo telling you? Covered in red hair, big swinging boobies? Oh, yeah, you're an Almas. I'm sorry, man. No, I, I don't recommend you take your children swimming naked in the river in winter. Why? Who, who would do that? No, it's irresponsible. <laughs> um, so many expeditions were launched that the uh, Nepal government started a permit system. As a response to this, the U.S. State Department released a memo stating that Americans are only allowed to photograph the Yeti, and even if you get a picture, you need to surrender it to the local government. That's... Uh, Which, it's kind of cool. Yeah, so that's awesome. we have, you know, all these multiple posses being rounded up, and for the first time, we have people stepping in and going, No. No, you can't just come here and fuck up our tiny mountain town. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because pay ten thousand dollars a head, well, and you can see a copy of this on your uh, file. What's well, up, John? Yeah, yeah I'm, and, and I'm and I'm looking at that now because because I'm recalling uh, many of our other episodes. You know, like these small towns in Florida or Pennsylvania or New Jersey or whatever that that have some weird thing going on that 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 have a local cryptid, and goddamn right you monetize that. You uh, either spin up. Uh, local industry or in this case you like actually get a government bureaucracy involved uh to like yeah yeah of course of of course do that don't just let all these british dudes or americans or whoever just go trounce around and mess up your pristine climate there uh charge them for that shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah like you know if the shoe was on the other foot (laughs) the Americans would be charging four times oh, as much. Oh, yeah, t- totally, totally, totally. You know, like, I, I, so, so yeah, I am, I am all in favor for these, these, I, I, I guess third world country, that term is, is not in vogue. Uh, but then again, we can't really like call it the global South either because this is Nepal. But yeah, like, some like <laughs> some 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 country that is struggling and hasn't quite developed yet. Uh, yeah, you, you gotta play the cards you're dealt, and if those include yetis and yeti arms and yeti dung, uh, <laughs> make them pay. Make them pay for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Th- this is also cool. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm just looking over this document that you have here, and the three, and, and also just very simple, you know, three regulations must be followed and are as followed. Yeah, you have to uh, pay a royalty, whatever, whatever. Number two, in case quote unquote yeti is traced, it can be photographed or caught alive, but it must not be killed or shot at except in an emergency arising out of self defense. So yeah, good, good on them, you know. 
And uh, in the case that somebody does shoot at this thing and, like, kill it and it's not self-defense, uh, yeah, slap an even bigger fine on this dude. Uh, put him in jail. What, what, whatever. Whatever. So good, good job, uh, Ernest H. Fisk, counselor of embassy for um, the Department of the <laughs> State. You know, yeah, you know, good on you for, for making sure that this natural resource that is the Yeti can be enjoyed by generations uh, to come. And he also says, uh, right, like, uh, uh, don't go to the press with it before you come to the government. That's yeah. uh, that's our secrets to share. Yeah. Can't, you can't be doing that. Smart. Mm-hmm. Very reasonable. Smart, yeah, right. Rational. I also like how this is so 1950s. Like, hey there, buddy, you find something, <laughs> show, it to the, show it to the police first. They're your friend, right? Like, <laughs> it's... <laughs> Not like now where it's like, I have been filming the Yeti for the last 20 minutes. He said three racial slurs. I'm about to cancel this bitch. Like, <laughs> you need to turn that over to the local government. I'm live streaming it. Periscope. <laughs> yeah. People don't use Periscope anymore, do they? Jesus, maybe? Mark. How old are you? <laughs> uh, maybe the greatest of these Yeti, Yeti expeditions was something called the Silver Hut Expedition. It was launched to find what was called a Yeti stronghold in the Rolawang Valley. But instead of, like, single parties getting together and doing this, do you know what they did, boys? Oh. oh. Tell me, Mark. Did they break it down? Did they break it down Foggy Mountain style? <laughs> We're going to break it down Foggy Himalayan style, because they rounded up 310 Sherpas. Oh. These 310 Sherpas were recruited to be porters for the 21 scientists on a three-pronged invasion stigation. Two base camps would be established um, at 14,000 feet. So two base camps would be established at Mount Blanca. Mm-hmm. Just right. That's where they were operating base out camp. of. Base camp. <laughs> base camp, yes. Um, tons and tons of Yeti traps were set. Um, crew was outfitted with tranquilizer rifles, uh, telescopes, microphones to capture Yeti calls, and cameras that could work at high elevation. All told, the total price came out to $125,000 in 1960 money, which might as well be a million bajillion goddamn dollars. And I know what you're thinking. Who do we get to round up this posse of epic proportion? Well, none other than the 1959 Explorer of the Year, Sir Edmund Hillary. Oh, drink. Drink. Goddamn right, drink. That's awesome. Oh, okay, but also you said that this cost about 126000 something like that? Uh, 125, yeah. 125,000. Okay, 125, just because I'm a nerd. I'm just a complete nerd, and I... Sure. Uh, that would be roughly $1.2 million. Okay, so I guess it's not as bad as I let well, on. Well, that's still like a still. thousand. That's still three orders of magnitude more, so yeah. <laughs> I guess my I guess my problem is like, you know, there's all this, you know, back and forth about funding the Ukraine and what we could be doing with right. that. And whether it's right or wrong is not a stance I'm willing to make or take right now. But, you know, the big thing is, oh, if we had X amount of money, we could, can- we could cancel student debt. I think I'd be a lot more pissed off if I found my government spent $1.2 million on a fucking Yeti hunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 I would agree. 
Like, I can forgive the deep-seated corruption. I can forget oil companies making billions off killing the planet. But you spend my money on a Yeti hunt? Mm, and dirty pool. And mister. you don't invite me? <laughs> Very. And you never paid for a Yeti hunt. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> very minus EV move. Very very minus EV. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this small army, again, this is 331 people. Um, 332 people. They tramped around the Rolawang Valley, which was no mean feat. Uh, like I said, the two base camps were established at 14,000 feet, but the expeditions went as high as 19,000 feet. For the better part of a year. That's awesome. Oh, that's wow. so super And cool. it didn't really find a lot. There's tons of tracks that were spotted. But Hillary readily dismissed these as melted leopard prints. So when a snow leopard or anything, if anything makes a footprint, um, if the track is fresh, you know, it's tight and compact and looks like what the print is. If it's older, um, as the sun melts it, it extends a little bit and you can get like a longer print. You, could, yeah. you guys see this in the snow. It happens. Right. Like, tracking 101 kind of thing. But Hillary was super against it. He didn't really want to be on this one, but they were paying him a lot of money, it seems like, so he was along for the ride. Well, and... Also, you know, Explorer of the Year, how do you capitalize on that? You go hunting the, the Yeti. Well, like, but also, it, it's like, you know, who who better to, like, head this expedition than someone who is skeptical? Because, like, it's that whole, like... Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's that whole idea of, you know, you don't want, like, a dyed-in-the-wool believer to, like, lead this thing. Because then, yeah, they'll, like, pick up a stick and be like, ah, see, proof of Bigfoot. No, you want, like, a hardcore skeptic that will make sure that, like, everything's yeah. done by the book and, you know, doing all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so, so I mean, that makes perfect sense. And it's goddamn Evan Hillary. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, you know, he is... He's not a local, but he's a, effectively a local. He's been in the region for about about ten years now. At this point, yeah. like people yeah, yeah, yeah. know him, he knows the region, he knows the locals, speaks the language. Like yeah, he's as local as anybody so who is who speaks English, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Like he's probably the best you're gonna get. And I'm, I don't know. This is also not so sneering imperialist Britain. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So. He's not he's not the biggest asshole. He's not the guy from 1888. Like, you know, that guy's a real right. dickhead. Um, <laughs> so the expedition went on for about a year, and there's no Yeti, and we need evidence. So Hillary went to the next best thing. Uh, being a local, he had heard stories of a local sect of monks who venerated the Yeti and saw it as like a local kind of deity. They even had shrines in a region called Pangboche that were said to hold Yeti uh, reliquaries like a scalp and an arm. And they were taken by the temple's founder, one Songwa Dorye. Yeah, that's right. I threw that shit before I walked in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Hillary took a trip to one of these temples, and he did his best British Museum impression and convinced the monks to let him borrow three of their Yeti scalps, but only, only for one month. He also took one of their the uh, Yeti arms, and he described the scalp as looking like a beaten priest cap with a worn crown of ridge or with a worn crown with a ridge of hair. These scalps and arm made their worldwide trip, and upon investigation, were found to be a what? That's right, an antelope hide. 
<laughs> and the arm was found to be a human hand wrapped in blue Tibetan bear hide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Bum. <laughs> Hillary uh, returned the items to the temple, though it is alleged that he might have returned elaborate fakes. Oh. I mean, because, you know, you got alleged Yeti shit. You're not going to give it back, right? You're you're the British. You're England. <laughs> Come on, man. We're going to take your fucking rocks. We're going to take your fucking Yeti. It's going to happen. Like They were already elaborate fakes in the Steal the bones place, right? of your ancestors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I said he wasn't that bad? Well, I lied. <laughs> um, but why would the monks take back a, a fake? relic right surely they would know their own relic that they venerated you know or it's easy to get one over on these simple mountain people i don't think so boys uh it could be that the monk had their own trick up their sleeve they had already known that people especially white people were going to come looking for these artifacts matter of fact years ago the pangboche temple was visited by members of the tom slick expeditions where they were shown the alleged yeti artifacts and then at some point the Slick Expedition masterfully crafted a new fake hand and a new fake scalp, got back into the temple, did the old switcheroo, mm. and smuggled the uh, artifacts out of the country. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. Now it gets even weirder, and all this is true, because these artifacts were smuggled by a good friend of Tom Slick, a man named Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> the actor. That Jimmy Stewart. No. What? Where's the Yeti skill? Well, it's in Bill's house, and it's in Tom's house. Well, 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 just tell me, Mary. What do you want? Do you want the moon? Do you want a Yeti relic? Well, I'll just throw a big lasso and take a plane to Tibet. <laughs> it's a Yeti it's a full Yeti life. Life. <laughs> Listen, Daddy. Teacher says... Every time a bell rings, uh, Yeti drops some scat in the Himalayas. It gets its big, hairy, swinging pair of titties. <laughs> a Yeti gets its boobs. Your teacher's right, Zuzu. Oh, Zuzu's Yeti scalp. Oh, God. What happened to Xana's baby? Well, you weren't there to pull it out of the river and explain to her that Yeti babies can't swim. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Fucking Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart smuggled the artifacts out. I want to dwell on it, but I can't because it's just so dumb. The actor Jimmy Stewart smuggled him out because he was buddies with Tom Slick. And he knew that he wouldn't be searched because of customs because he was yeah. Jimmy fucking Stewart. <laughs> this is 1950, whatever. I'm Jimmy. Wonderful life. You ever seen that shit? Come here. I'm Jimmy Stewart. Like, yeah. That's... <laughs> One of the few times where that, don't you know who I am? Line actually works like, oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Stewart. Yes, please. <laughs> right on through, sir. That's amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just when I thought I wow. couldn't love him anymore, he goes and smuggles out the Pengbochi hand. <laughs> so, either way, either the monks had replaced it with a fake, um, or Jimmy Stewart and his crew replaced it with a fake. What 
National Treasure installment would this be? Three or four? Where it's Nicolas Cage <laughs> saying, this is the Pangbochi hand that Jimmy Stewart smuggled out. And then here's like... <laughs> And it's written on the back of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> no, no, it, no, it's written on the back of this government document from the Department of the State about <laughs> coming to Nepal. <laughs> Only taking, Only pictures. taking pictures. Nepalese expeditions. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Wow, Nick, how did you get the Yeti scalp out? Oh, uh, I had a cool new hairdo leaving custom. <laughs> to him with the Yeti scalp on his head. <laughs> no one wants to say anything. They're just like, wow, I didn't know Nicolas Cage was that bald. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is great. This is great. <laughs> um, so Silver Hut really didn't pan out other than... I'm showing you some things that other people have already seen. But Expeditions did continue. Uh, but then they lost steam around 1965 when the Patterson-Gimlin showed Americans that we have our own backyard Bigfoot, and it's so much cheaper to round up posses in California than it is in Nepal. Yeah. Yeah, right. well, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Um, it isn't to say that they still don't happen, though. Uh, one of the notable recent ones was led by a guy named Josh Gates off the TV show Destination Truth in 2008. I don't know if y'all watched him. He was on Sci-Fi Channel, but he's one of the better, like, skeptical investigators because he really does put his ankles in it and tries. And, like, he is willing to spend time at these places in, like, really shit conditions. And or Sci-Fi Channel just kind of said, you know what? You get kind of results. You get the most results out of anybody, so do what you want. So he launched one in 2008, kind of inconclusive, you know, they found tracks, they found fur, but we're left in this weird, like, in-between spot with Yetis, because, yeah, of course they exist, just like all the other things we've been talking about yeah. tonight and in mm -hmm. this series. But it's unique, because, like, the idea of the Yeti existed before white people came up and said that it existed. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it still just exists there, but nobody really seems to care because there's just yetis up there. That's that's all there is to it. There's yetis in them hills. There's almas in those mountains. Anywhere the snow blows in the wind, there's a pair of big furry red titties <laughs> flapping too. Gentlemen, that was Bigfoot Part 3. How do you feel? I feel edified. I am so thrilled to be here on Two Wizards Pod uh, with you just sharing all your research notes with me. Mark, this is uh, this is fascinating. Would you I, I would you also say that you feel yetified? Um, <laughs> hey, the puns the puns keep coming and they don't stop coming. Yeah, yeah, Mark, I I, th I think this this is uh, a a wonderful way to cap this three parter on um, Sasquatch Yeti Bigfoot. Uh, yeah, just 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 truly incredible work as always. And it was great for for us to to yeah to get to share this with our good friend Brad uh, because I I know that I've I've jumped on the um, I can't wait to show my kids podcast a few times and it's wonderful I mean first and foremost it was wonderful when we were all in the think hole together and it's even better to come back yes and still like re relive that moment or at least what I think I can remember from reliving that moment because that was a lot of Christmas sales and a lot of PBR. <laughs> And a lot of ribs. Yeah. 
yeah. but no, this was this was. I truly enjoyed this. So thank you, Mark. Thank you, Brad. And thank you, listeners. Thank you for tagging along with us. So please tell us. We 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 always love hearing from you. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you? Do, do you think that Yeti is on par with Bigfoot or Sasquatch? Do you think there's maybe more evidence of it? It's like, well, hey, if Jimmy Stewart's involved, well, I guess I guess that's it. Um, do you have some weird, like, gr- great-great-grandma <laughs> known for her milling corn and her big swinging titties? <laughs> we we, we want to hear from you. We want to know if that's you. If We want to hear from you. So send an email to twowizardspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at twowizardspodc1. Find us on Blue Sky uh, over at High Hammock Radio. We're active on Instagram and on Facebook. Mark, as always, will find some amazing uh, 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 illustrations, pictures. We'll show some of these. Maybe the actual illustration of Zana and her big swinging titties. Uh, or maybe something else. I don't know. We'll, we'll just see. If, if you want to find out a little bit more about me, admittedly, it's not exactly a New Year's resolution thing where I'm like weaning myself off of social media. But 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 I, but I have some other things coming up where I, I, I might not post as often. But if you still want to say hi, you can find me on Twitter at Plaid Barbarian. Um, I guess maybe I'll throw it over to Brad. I, I you know, we've talked about um, yeah. the uh, the I can't wait to show my kids podcast. I, I can't. Jesus Christ! Here we go. Matt, the Mad Elf, eleven percent. <laughs> Mad Elf. Brad, tell us about your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the I can't wait to show my kids podcast is where Mark and I uh, dive into cleaning up our our backlog of blind spots and in our cinema backgrounds watch some movies that one or the other of us has not seen and uh if if i'm correct and not screwing up when this episode is dropping then uh yeah our home alone episode is available to listen to this week you know in the holiday spirit here uh we just had josh on for that live in the thank hole it was perfect and uh come drop in with us it's a great time you can also find me on uh twitter or uh our, our show there on twitter I'm at Brad Greening 303, and, and that show is uh, uh, When the Kids Are Big. Right on. Uh, and you can find me either at the uh, Dangle Podcast, a weekly retrospective rewatch at King of the Hill, where me and our buddy Johnny take two episodes and discuss them. Uh, you can also find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. Um, and yeah, once again, Brad, thank you so much for being here. Thank you both for being here in the first place to, like, cut this in the think hole and then coming back together again when audacity said no screw your <laughs> efforts and labor and crapped on us yeah it, it um, really did it really did and it'll happen it happened once happened again just i pray not tonight but um also this is you know the last week of 2023 um and i'm just going to be sentimental for half a second and say i really appreciate every single one of you josh brad i love you guys both Thank you for doing multiple projects with me and putting up with me for multiple hours. Um, thanks, guys. Thank you, Mark. It, it is it is truly our pleasure, and also thank you to our listeners mm. who, have, who, who have been here uh, with us now for three and a half years, coming up on three and a half years, something like that. And 2024 is going to be going to be even better as we start season eight. We're going to start season eight and all sorts of great stuff with there too. Um, Brad, also your your final words of gratitude i guess or new year's things i don't know (laughs) no i am so again just thankful for you guys uh extending the invite to have me on the show i was so thankful to get to see you 
in the in the think hole uh it's really great getting to stay connected with you guys uh you know even though we are so far away in real space it is a true delight to be part of the high hammock family uh all i can really say is that uh, Alvis bless us. <laughs> Alvis bless us, everyone. <laughs> and on that note, uh, my name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I'm a wizard. And my name is Brad, and I'm an honorary wizard tonight. And thrilled. Yes, you are, sir. And thank you, everybody, once again. Tune in with us next time. Take care. Good night. He rolled upon his back, and after that. I KILLED THEM ALL! Ah!